on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We bring you the latest OU football updates by breaking down the Big 12 preseason poll, and we recap an exciting recruiting weekend for the Sooners, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. beautiful Monday, July 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is still rolling, people. Scotty McCreary is up next on July 30th. It's $5 general admission, and kids under 12 get in free ton of food trucks, all kinds of things for the kids to do, including face painting and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. How are we feeling, Ted? It was a big weekend for the Sooners. Big weekend, lots of stuff happening. Um, there's been some anxious people out there when it comes to recruiting, uh, Venables and staff had said, be patient. We feel like July is going to be a pretty good month and it's off to a really good start. It, it is. And we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about that. I, you and I were talking before we started recording, this may be the most recruiting other than like after signing day, this may be the most recruiting we've ever talked about that we're going to talk about on this podcast. Will this episode uh, from this point on be looked back at as the recruiting episode by it, everyone? It could be. <laughs> it could be. But before we get to the recruiting stuff, wanted to start with the Big 12 preseason poll because there was a lot of conversation and we haven't recorded an episode since that came out. So if you missed it, Baylor was voted number one in the Big 12 preseason poll. Uh, they were They received 17 first-place votes. OU is checking in at two. They received 12 first-place votes. Oklahoma State checking in at number three. They received nine first-place votes. Texas checking in at number four. They received two first-place votes. Kansas State checking in at number five in the Big 12 preseason poll. Iowa State checking in at six, and they received a first-place vote, which is – Very interesting. 
TCU at seven, West Virginia at eight, Texas Tech at nine, and the Kansas Jayhawks bringing it up the rear at 10 in the Big 12 preseason poll. So it's been a lot of conversation about this already, Ted, but when you saw it, what, what kind of stood out initially? Well, I think Baylor being first place and receiving such a large portion of first place votes, it's not a surprise, but I just, I think it is, it, it really lends a lot of credibility to what Baylor's done with that program, what Aranda's done with that program, uh, you know, that, that so many people, knowing what they've lost, would still vote them as first place, who they think is going to win the conference this year. I think that says a lot about what people think of Aranda, his staff, the culture they've built there, the program, not just last year's team, but the program. I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, there's always, I feel like every year there's the conversation about what's the deal with these first place votes? Like Iowa State gets a first place vote. Texas gets two first place votes. I That seems so strange to me, but I guess everyone's going to throw it out there exactly how they see it. And if that's what they see going down, that's pretty wild. But that's a lot of teams receiving first place votes. It's pretty interesting. Which is, that was my number one takeaway when it came out. Right? You've got five teams with first place votes. And it just kind of reinforces the thought that I've been having for a while now. This is going to be a really, really fun year of Big 12 football. Yep. Because there's just so much uncertainty going into the season for all the teams in the top half of the league or the teams that you think are going to be in the top half of the league. I mean, you, you mentioned Baylor checking in at one. Now I do think it has a lot to do with recency bias. Like they won the league yeah, last year. Always. It, yes. Yeah. That that's always, that's always a big factor, right? They won the league last year. So with, with all the uncertainty with Baylor, with OU, with Oklahoma state, with Texas, it's kind of easy to just lean on it on the team that won the league last year. So I, I do think that has a lot, a lot to do with Baylor coming in at number one, but also, and you mentioned it, I think it, it's a big vote of confidence in the systems that Baylor has in place, right? Aranda and Roberts running that defense and then Jeff Grimes running that offense. And I've talked a lot about Jeff Grimes' system possibly being my favorite system in all of college football. So I think I think Aranda and that staff are getting a ton of respect, but they also lost a ton. Lost your best, your best two running backs, your best wide receiver, your quarterback. I, I know that Shapin, you know, he was the he was the Big 12 championship game MVP. I understand that, but he hasn't played a ton of football. You lost your best linebacker. Your uh, your bets defensive backs, so there there's a lot of holes. But one thing about Baylor that w I, when you look at everyone else in the conference, I think they have the offensive line and defensive line that you can look at it and go, okay, yeah, I kind of know what I'm getting from those guys. Yep, and that is that's big, right? That that's where it's where these games are decided. 
at the line of scrimmage and you've got all those defensive linemen back for Baylor. You got the player kid that transferred in from Tulsa there. So it, it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, <laughs> such a big deal was made out of OU only having the punter on the preseason all big 12 team. And then they checked in it too. It was, it just made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny how that thing checked in at two, 12 first place votes. Like, Whenever all the points were tallied, they were really close to being uh, first. But I'll tell you what I think is interesting. Of the top six teams, Baylor, OU, Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas State, Iowa State, only one school has a returning starter at quarterback. Only one. And that's Oklahoma State. So really, and quarterback matters a lot for Oklahoma. Baylor will win the conference if if um, Gabe, uh, Dylan Gabriel's not better than Shapen. You agree with that? That's I mean that's pretty fair, right? I, 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 think I hate that... to oversimplify it, but you know there's a lot of things that have to occur for him to be better, right? Like our offensive line and running game have to be really good, and defensively we have to be able to get stops and put him in good positions to where. You know, our offense isn't predictable, stuff like that. Like, it all has to work together. But if we're looking at it and Dylan Gabriel's numbers are not better than Shapens at Baylor, I, you could probably say they're going to win the conference. And you kind of go down the list with that, too. Uh, you go to Texas if uh, Quinn Ewers is the one that wins the job ultimately and he plays like a freshman, well, fourth is probably going to be about as high as they can finish. But if somehow he's the greatest thing we've ever seen, I mean, there's there's a chance that, yeah, they could move up higher. Same thing with Kansas State with Martinez. And Iowa State, I know they've lost a ton of guys, but the trigger man there is it's going to be reflective. And, you know, that's going to tell a lot of the story. Like the quarterback battle or whatever you want to call it tells a lot of the story because they're kind of a reflection of how the rest of the team is playing. But that's kind of the interesting, interesting thing right there is that five out of the top six have new starters at quarterback. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about the one first place vote Iowa state got. And I was like, what could it possibly be? Like they lost so many guys like Purdy and Brees Hall and Eisworth and Rose and all those guys. And then it kind of dawned on me. If you're looking at the league heading into the year, yeah, Iowa State probably going to be in a more comfortable position, right? Being the underdog, uh, not being, not having such high expectations like they had heading into last season. But if there's if there's one thing you feel like you can count on, one unit you feel like is going to you know play at a pretty consistently high level, John Haycock's defense is maybe the unit you choose, right? It's the most yep. It's the most proven group. I mean, they have been consistently good on the defensive side of the ball for several years now. And I was thinking maybe that's what that one person was thinking like, hey, there's all this uncertainty heading into the league this year. Maybe Iowa State's defense is what I can count on. <laughs> that was the only thing that kind of made sense to me, maybe. I was thinking it was a dartboard. And you just throw the dart <laughs> up at the board and whatever team it, it lands on is who you take as, as first place. Hey, I respect the hell out of Campbell. 
uh, Heacock and those guys and what they've done with that program. Uh, the players that they develop have been just top-notch college football players. I just – and frankly, I just don't know enough about them. Like, they're filling so many spaces from such experienced players that there's no way I could ever predict them to win the conference. It's just not like, – because they had all those guys as seniors and fifth-year seniors, super seniors, guys that came back – uh, didn't go to the draft. They had all of those guys together and, and didn't win the conference and didn't really even get close. So whenever that happened, there's no way I could, after that, pick them to win it. That's wild. Yeah. I One other thing that surprised me was the nine first-place votes for Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah. uh, other than other than that group of defensive linemen they got back, which, once again, just like Baylor, may, maybe that's what they're thinking. But I feel like that's a lot of first-place votes for them. And it could be Spencer Sanders being back and being the most veteran quarterback in the league. Like, that could be it, like you said. But with everything they lost defensively, maybe it's just the simple fact that, hey, Mike Gundy's a damn good football coach. And he he is. So I wasn't surprised at all that they were picked third but I was a little surprised that they received that many first place votes. But yeah. I mean, once again, played in the, you know, they were what two inches away from being big 12 champions last year, but with everything they lost defensively at the linebacker level and in the secondary and then losing Knowles, I thought nine was a lot of first place votes for, for kind of the uncertainty they have just like the rest of the conference heading into the year. Yep. And we've talked about it. But Oklahoma State's formula last year was great for Spencer Sanders. The formula this year, I think it's going to be different. I think it's going to be a little bit more opened up offensively because defensively they're not going to be able to hold people to 13, 17, 20 routinely in games. They're going to have to score some points. They're going to have to open it up force some stuff and that leads to turnovers from him we just that's the history so I think the formula changing for Oklahoma State is going to be a big detriment to their win-loss record yeah we'll we'll see it's going to be I mean it's going to be really fun I will say when OU came in at number two right with only Turk being on the preseason all big 12 team it it told me a lot about how this team is being viewed. I think people know that Brent Venables is a really damn good football coach. I think they know OU has really good players. I think they know that OU is going to be a tougher, more physical football team. People may just not 100% know who the big-time playmakers are going to be. Right Now, we assume it's going to be Mims. We assume it's going to be Eric Gray. We assume that Dylan Gabriel obviously is going to be playing at a high level at quarterback. But I, I think the one thing that could have some people hesitant voting on you first is you've got all these really good parts, right? You, you know BV is arguably one of, or he is, if not the best, one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. You, you know that Jeff Lebby is one of the best offense coordinators in college football. 
you know Dylan Gabriel has had success and has been a productive college quarterback, but will it all come together? You, you know the parts are good. Will the sum be as good as the parts or better than the parts? That, that's, probably, that's probably a little of the uncertainty that people have. But, yeah, yeah it was awfully funny seeing all the OU fans be like, wait, you guys didn't think any of the players were worth being preseason all Big 12, but you almost picked us to win the league? Really? And it, it was, it was kind of – it did give me a good chuckle. Well, it's even happened – after the season, what was it? The was it the 2020 year where you know we played Iowa State in the Big 12 championship, and I I don't remember who all it was, but we didn't have very many guys on the All Big 12 list at all, and Iowa State had guys. All it's when Lincoln made that quote. I don't know how we won a game, um, and then they they still continue to win the league. So. Feels like there's been some bias there for whatever reason, but here's here's what I think happens a lot. And this isn't to this isn't to like try and speak down to people that cover the sport or fans of the sport, but I think we've gotten into like a we're so fantasy football oriented that we think about like who's going to have however many receiving yards or touchdowns and are we going to have a, a running back that rushes for, you know, 1500 yards and what's Dylan Gabriel's numbers going to look like. And all of those things matter a hundred percent. They do. But I, the biggest, I, I've said openly since, Oh, probably February or so that Oklahoma will win a national championship in three years. And I fully believe that I, you know, I, I, I say it over and over. They're they'll win a championship within three years and it has zero to do with personnel. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be in three years. I don't know who the running back is. I don't know who our star receiver is going to be. I don't know. And I don't care. It has zero to do with it. In my opinion, they'll find guys that are going to fill into those spots. It is all about culture. It is all about culture. College football, whenever you're trying to bring all these different guys together from different parts of the country with different backgrounds, um, you know, that there's highly recruited guys, there's guys that are local guys that maybe started as walk-ons. When you throw all of that together into a locker room, if you don't have a, a massive, uh, just the – it all has to come together in the perfect formula. And that is done through culture. It's done through strength and conditioning. It's, it's done through accountability, uh, you know, being highly de demanding of your players, but at the same time being fair across the board, no one's different. No one's special. That's the reason why I think they're going to be good. That's, that's why I think this year's team is, is going to look way different than last year's team. I don't know what the results are going to say. I feel good about it, but it's not something that you can go back on the roster and start just like dialing up numbers and yards and touchdowns and points to see what they're going to be this, this, this coming year. So I think that gets forgotten in a lot of these things. And we're just talking about what's coming back from the season before and what does recruiting look like and who's going to be looking for playing time. The culture aspect of it is 
probably the most critical thing. Yeah, and it it kind of goes back to the dirty hard work done in the dark thing we were joking about yep. last episode or a couple episodes ago, whenever that was. It's Brent Venables is obsessed with the process. He he is obsessed with the day to day, the hour by hour, the minute by minute. Like that is that is what he he is obsessed with, and his whole philosophy, his whole mentality is that if you put the work in, eventually you're going to reap the rewards from it, and he's going to find guys that will completely buy in to that line of thinking. And if he finds the right guys and everything goes according to the plan, they're going to want to win a lot of football games yep. with, with the resources available to OU. I mean, it's just, so, I mean, you saying that it's really just you believing in Venables and how he operates. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about when you're saying, Hey, they'll win a title in the next three years. Yeah. And I, it's like I said, like the recruiting is going well. I think it's going to continue to go well. I think it's going to get better and better. Uh, I think there's, there's going to be some growing pains whenever you take like the previous way of doing things and the current way of doing things. And you slam those two philosophies together. Right. There's going to be some push and pull there. It changes hard, man. Especially whenever it's going from um, easier to way, way, way more difficult. That change is tough, and there can be some resistance in there from a bunch of different people, from administration, from coaches, the you know on the on the staff, from players, from fans. I mean, there's uh, you know just it's change is hard. Everyone always wants to do it the way we've always done it, right? Like that's that's kind of the thing. So um, it's going to be a process. But if I if there's anyone on the planet that will not change and will not back down and will not step away from principles, it'll be Brent Venables. Yeah. Well, one last thing on the preseason poll: Did you see the OU football Twitter put out the dirty hard work done in the dark with like the taken notes? emoji <laughs> right like yes. okay second now first of all so many people text me about that like what the hell is that so i had to explain the meaning behind it the philosophy and all that and then i always ended it with yeah but yeah it's hilarious yeah it's really funny i there, it's impossible not to laugh at but the it, it appears that brent venables and the staff it really the players everyone involved with the program keeping some receipts ted that's that's what it looks like I love it. Yeah, there's there's some stuff going on out there. And, and you know, some of it is justified. Like number two, I I think I think you're totally justified if you think that Baylor is gonna win the conference this year. I I it's hard for me to argue against that. I think that's there's justification in that. But you know, seeing some of the commentary on this, like I saw one guy, um, you know, he covers Baylor. Oh yeah, he picked OU sixth. Picked OU sixth. You can't and, you, you, you can't be taken seriously if you're doing that. No, you just can't. No. And you know, he had he kept laying out his his reasoning and you know he, essentially his reasoning is is that OU won't be able to run against teams that play too high safeties. And I'm like, well, you know, 
Well, he's okay. right. Yeah, if if they can't run against too high a, a too high shell, that yeah, going to be a big trouble. That would that would be That's bad. True, but I I just laugh at like like there's like it's like oh my god, cancel the game. We give up. We you know we just can't we can't do anything, and it's like why do you think that everyone else will be able to do that, but OU won't? Right, you could all these other teams in front of OU will be able to do that. It's just you know, it's interesting to me. And hey, it's the off season. We all have opinions. We'll know in early December who's the Big Twelve champ. But I'll say this: it's yet another year where I think this conference is going to be ultra competitive. Like the top six teams, I think are. For the most part, a lot of those teams could beat one another on a given Saturday. OSU, Texas, don't know. Kansas State, Oklahoma State, don't know. Uh, some of these games are just going to be toss-ups, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I'm Adrian Martinez plays really well. Kansas State's going to be really tough. They're going to be really tough anyways. But if he doesn't turn the football over and – it's a big I, if, man. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's going to be a totally different style, and if he adopts it well, and I, they're a scary team. They're a scary team. Their defense is going to be really solid. They've got an absolute stud in the backfield, and a big, fast, physical quarterback that can throw well and can be a really dangerous weapon on the ground. Yeah. It's going to be a fun year, man. It really is. But big weekend in OU recruiting. And we're going to recap it. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of your Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You'll still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. There's Gabe showing the new hats, uh, the corduroy look. I had a bunch of people comment on those about how cool they look so they they will be available soon people you'll be able to get them and wear them during football season let's go at opolisclothing.com and remember to use our promo code ted ted 10 percent off buttery soft and 10 percent off and make sure you send your kids to bishop mcginnis catholic high school bishop mcginnis catholic high school has a, a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. 
If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Ooh, the recruiting momentum. There's, there's serious momentum. And we, we talked about, on the last episode, we talked about the commitments from Jaquez Petaway, uh, Samuel Omasigo, uh, Phil Pichotti, which, do you see that kid? He's going to play his last year at IMG. Yeah. That's yeah, big. That's, that's interesting. Be cool. Yeah, I, I guess maybe to get some better, like, college prep type coaching, I, I don't know. I kind of thought that was a place to get discovered, not to go after you found where you're going, but I don't know enough about it. I don't still, know. Maybe, still pretty cool. Yeah, maybe just stepping up the competition or I, yeah. I don't know. Just feels like you can develop more physically there. But yeah, pretty cool. I thought that was interesting, but been a big last couple of days for OU recruiting. Uh, and let's just go in order. It, it's just been a hell of a weekend for my man, Bill Beatenbow. I mean, it's been a hell of a weekend. Started it off with Caden Green committing to OU, a 6'5", 315 pound offensive tackle from the Kansas City area. By the way, born in Tulsa. Fun fact. Nice. So it, it grew up an OU fan. Now he is, he's the number 92 overall player in the 24 sports composite. And remember that, that composite combines like the top four, I think, recruiting services. Rivals has Caden Green as the 34th overall player in their 2023 recruiting class. Yeah. So we're going to use that. He's the yeah, 34th ranked player. That's big. And if you go off that rivals ranking, that means K- they have him knocking on the door of being a five star. Correct. And if you go by that ranking, he would be the highest ranked recruit. Bill Beanbow has gotten a commitment from at OU, which clearly when this guy, he's choosing OU over LSU, Nebraska, uh, Missouri. I mean, that's, that's big. It's big. You, you, when you get guys that are, and this is the number one thing Bill Beanbow looks for in an offensive line. It is, it's size. But you ask him, hey, when you're evaluating a guy, what's the first thing you look for? It's size. And Caden Green is a massive human being. I know a lot of people were passing around that picture of him standing next to Lode Holt. Yeah, yeah. The, the, kid, the kid's a big, I mean, he's a big guy. So I, I was really... I was really encouraged by Caden Green's comments after he committed about, hey, yeah, I, I wanted to play for Bill Biedenbaugh. Like, I, I wanted to play for him, and as long as he was staying at OU, I was going. And that I think that says a lot about who Bill Biedenbaugh is as a guy, as a coach, but also, man, that reputation, that, that stuff's important. Putting, putting guys in the NFL is important, and – He's still, if not the best, one of the best in the business. And that's a big get for him. Big get. Yeah, it's massive. And, you know, and this has probably been talked about, but one of the, one of the really kind of, I guess, trump cards that Beanbow has is Lodeholt being there. And apparently he and Kane Green have a super, super close relationship. And, you know, he's taken that analyst position and just he's he's hitting it out of the park. Uh, he, he's killing it in recruiting, being a resource for some of these high school kids 
developing those relationships. Uh, and, and he's just killing it up there at the facility. And, you know, you sometimes you just never know with former players, right? Like how, how they're going to attack that, that job. And Lode Holt has done an amazing job and continues to be uh, one of the best resources you could ever have as an offensive line coach, as an offensive coordinator for, for Jeff Lebby. Being able to have him as a resource there is just, it's been amazing for them. Yeah, and one other guy that people may not know a lot about is actually a guy I played with in Tennessee with the Titans, and we called him Sue, Sue Matias. He is, he played offensive line at Florida State. He was an undrafted guy the year after me in Tennessee. He's now on the strength staff. So that's another, like, uh, another guy in an important position that can speak offensive line language you know what I mean and that that stuff's important like you've got a guy that's a former lineman that understands how you have to train to play that position so you've got Lodeholt who was a damn good NFL player you've got Sue in the weight room being able to kind of add that knowledge base to what they're doing from a strength and conditioning standpoint so yeah I think and your yeah, offensive you, coordinator is a former offensive lineman, which is we've talked about before, but that is a different way of viewing the offense. And that's all on top of Bill Beanbow having, having one of the best reputations in the country when it comes to being an offensive line coach. Yep. So I, I think they're going to continue to get some some highly ranked offensive linemen. And I, I went and, and once again, it's a highlight tape. I understand that. But I went through and watched Caden Green and I'll say this, dude certainly likes to mix it up. I mean, he stays engaged way down the field, <laughs> finishing guys very smooth in his pass sets. Uh, one thing I'll say about, you know, that we'll need to improve, he's a clamper, right? Kind of does the lobster claw, grabs yeah. the outside of the pads. That's an easy fix. Bill, Bill will fix that. He will teach him how to use his hands, you know, together independently as weapons. So I'm not worried about that. I was impressed. Like his pad level coming out of his stance in the run game was good for a tall guy. And it seems like he bends pretty well. There are some clips of him pulling on some pin pull schemes. Uh, looks like he moves pretty well at his size. I think Schmitty will want to, what's the best way to put it? Redistribute some of the weight, mold it a little bit. I, yeah. I think he's going to tighten it up. Um, I, I would expect him to improve his mobility, his short area quickness. That's something that Schmidt really, really good at is getting you twitchier as an offensive lineman, but he's just a big dude, man. I mean, big physical guy and all these other places wanted to know you got him. And at the very least, I think, and I haven't talked to anyone on the staff about this at all, but I think at the very least, he ends up being a all-American type offensive guard. Wow, that's with impressive. how just how he's just how he's built, right? If you get the most out of him, hopefully he's playing left tackle at a really high level for you, and he's improved his his mobility and explosiveness. But I think at the very least, he's a guy that can kick inside and kick some ass. Well, that's good. Uh, being able to play multiple positions is always a, a, a benefit, and if you know, if you can, if you can get it, 
I don't know, typically would you start at guard and then, and then move out or would you, is that like a, the, you start at tackle and then. Yes. The, yeah. the natural progression is. So first of all, th- think of it, let's this get way. you some help on the inside. Th- think of it this way. Offensive line is what they call the last stop <laughs> for big guys. Right. That's O-line is the last stop. If you're not athletic enough to play defensive line, you go to O-line and then normally you start from outside in. If you're six, five and you can't play tackle, then they move you to guard. If you can't play guard, they try you at center. If they, if you don't work at center, they say, Hey man, you need to find something else to do. You need to go pro and something else. So <laughs> you'll be yeah. tied in on the field goal block team. Yes. Yes. So I, I would assume that Caden green will be a guy that starts at tackle. And if they feel that he will, he will be able to be a more productive player in the program at guard, they would just bump him inside. That's usually what Beanbow he'll, he'll practice guys at guard and tackle. Like he, he loves having those guys be able to play multiple positions. So I wouldn't be surprised if, the second he gets on campus, he's working multiple positions like that, guard and tackle. But I, you would think a guy that highly rated, guy that big and athletic, you start him at tackle, and if he can't, if he can't handle the athleticism of some of those edge guys, then you bump him inside. Bump him inside. Well, I'll say this: like, the most critical thing that we've talked about with not just this year's team, but the program moving forward is we have to get way more consistent, uh, talented, whatever you want to call it on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. And this recruiting class is off to a good start. Need bigger humans contributing to that. Yep. Need bigger humans. And Oh, you went up to New Jersey and grabbed one. Got a commitment from Logan Howland. Six, seven, two eighty. And I understand that people want the really highly rated guys. I understand that. And that is not Howland, right? He has been kind of a climber here late uh, from the recruiting people I've talked to. He's not very highly rated, but don't pay attention to that. I'm telling you, don't pay attention to that. This, this is all about Howland's ceiling and his potential. Because once again, give me all the large humans with big frames that can move like this guy. Give me all the guys, give me all the jumbo tight ends that move well. I want them all because, I mean, this is a guy that had offers from Iowa, Michigan. I mean, Cristobal and Miami were after him. So clearly there's something there that a lot of people are, are everyone's seeing the same thing. This is a guy that played tight end and defensive end his last season there in New Jersey, and he's going to move the tackle for his senior year. So his senior year will be his first year of actually playing offensive line. And I can tell you from experience, and at least he's getting a year in high school and he's not making like the switch once he's in college, but there is, there is an adjustment period to being a guy that touches the football to being a guy that does not touch the football. There is a there is a mental and physical adjustment period, and I I'm glad that he's getting that one year of high school ball because really you you got to change your mentality like your entire mentality as a football player. I know that sounds weird, but I still remember being like, 
I'm an offensive lineman now. Like I've never got to catch the ball again. Like what? And so it's, it takes you a little bit to realize that now you are a, you are a grunt. So at least he gets his senior year to uh, start dealing with that change. I'm just laughing at the fact a high school had a six, seven, 280 pound tied in. That's funny. I, I think he played more at like 260 and then Still, was like, okay, it's it's time. Uh, I'm going to be an O-lineman. The 6'7", 260, even. That is like, that's the size of Nebraska's gigantic tight end that they had uh, a year ago. That is <laughs> enormous. He's going to be a foot taller than the defensive end that's lined up over on the other side of him. But I'm with you, man. More big guys, big guys that can move, big guys that have, uh, that long wingspan, you can you can mold them into different players. It's if you're six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds or more, and you can move, there's a place for you on a football team. We'll find it. Yeah, and I will say, I assume right when he gets on campus that him and Jerry Schmidt are going to become very acquainted, and. I don't know if that is necessarily a good thing or not for Allen, but it's going to happen. And Schmidt usually looks at a guy like this and goes, oh, yeah, I can I can do it. He's my project now. So it'll be uh, – he loves that. So it should be it should be an interesting first couple years for Allen. I'm sure he's going to have a ton of fun. But the best part about the two O-linemen committing – Bill Beanbow was in the Bahamas when he got the news. I he, he tweeted some pictures. I was I was so happy for him. I texted him congratulations, and I I really hope he had a few extra collect golds. Anyone that's been down to the Bahamas knows what I'm talking about. But that had to be pretty fun to be on vacation to get the get that news. Yep, good news on vacation is what you want. When the phone starts blowing up when you're on vacation, typically it's not good news, but this time I'm happy for him. Makes that vacation a little bit better. I want to hear more about the, what'd you call it? Collect gold? Collect gold. Collect beer. beer. Bahamian beer. Tremendous. Okay. Delicious. Okay. Never had it. Hmm. I went, I went to the Bahamas on spring break when I was a senior in high school and I was 18 year old, years old and I drank approximately a thousand of those. Nice. That's good. I may have to try that. Yeah. Okay. Last big commitment of the week for the Oklahoma Sooners, PJ and okay. I did some research. He had a brother that played at Northwestern, which made it, it made Northwestern being in his like final five schools make a lot more sense. So he had a brother, and I looked up the pronunciation guide of when his brother was playing at Northwestern. Maybe he's still playing there. I didn't I didn't really pay that much attention. But this is what the pronunciation guide said for his brother. Adibuare. 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 Okay. Adibuare. Nice. Adibare. I think it was Adibare. 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 There we go. Nailed it. That was it. Yes. Adibare. Adibare. So the W, just pretend the W is not even there. Well, PJ Adibare. PJ Adibare. Uh, I've heard some really, really, really good stuff about this kid. So um, this is one that they were 
really waiting on, really hoping on, and this this is big time. He's a top 100 player in the 24-7 sports composite. He is the 20th ranked player overall in on threes 2023 recruiting class. So we're going to use that. He's the top 20 player in the country, Ted. There we go. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of folks that think that he is he's like that that type of player. Like this is a you know, he's out of Kansas City. Maybe a lot of people don't know much about him, but the the potential, the ceiling, or whatever you want to say with this kid is absolutely through the roof. Yeah. Six four, two hundred and forty pounds. By the way, I looked his brother's weight up, two sixty-five. So don't think he's gonna have any problem adding weight. It's a big recruiting win for Miguel Chavis. And this is a guy, he's a position coach for the first time in his career. And for him to get Adibare to choose OU over Georgia, LSU, Missouri, like that's a big win for Chavis, man. Well, they've been, they've been some of these defensive players that they've been hitting on, they're going up against schools that they recently have not had success going up against right? Your Florida's, your Michigan's, your, your LSU's, some of these, some of these teams that have, you know, been known for, for getting some players uh, um, drafted into the NFL, been playing really good defense, uh, been pulling in top defensive talent. They're winning out some battles against those guys. I think no matter what this recruiting class ends up, and I think right now it's like up to verge of the top 10 right 11 12 something like that yeah up to the 11th ranked class i think yeah. in 24 7 sports and going to continue to get better but i don't know where it's going to end up but the distribution of players and the players that they're getting and who they're beating out to get these guys sends a lot of really good signals for what the future may hold yeah and so i watched like three plays of Addy Barre's. I'm just going to call him PJ because I, I looked up the pronunciation guide I, and I'm still not confident until, until I hear him say his name, then I'll be more confident. But I watched like three plays of PJ and the one thing I looked, I was like, okay, Hey, looks athletically. He, and then there was a part, like he made the tackle and he was just kind of walking. I was like, wait. And I just paused it. I was like, how long are this kid's arms? Just like, like swinging. No, it was, they were literally almost touching his knees. I was just like, oh my God. So I got in the old Google machine, found an article, seven foot wingspan. Woo. Wow. That's what the article said. Seven foot wingspan on the six, four kid. So we, this may be something people remember us talking about. We, we talked about Nick Benito heading into the draft process. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about him really not having like that elite just length. That's what this kid has. And maybe that's why, you know, Georgia and, and LSU and all these people and OU are after him because yeah, he's got the size, but that link it, because it was, a it was, it took me three plays to just go, wait, what is going on with those arms? And he's going to get more explosive that get off. He's got, it's going to improve, but he can obviously run, but you just, you just can't coach length like that, man. It's no. insane. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like the for an edge guy, like to to develop the stab, you know, the one arm stab to really get long. But a lot of times, 
when you've got a uh, an offensive lineman and a defensive player going up against one another and it's a stalemate a lot of times the guy with the longer arms can win it right because you can just extend past the the reach of the other guy now offensive linemen as we all know are going to hold like shit like crazy they're going to cheat they're going to grab around you around the back never. um if you've got some Ridiculous. Long, long arms you're going to be able to escape that a little bit better. It's it's that's impressive. Yeah. And it, then but it could be a hindrance if you don't know how to use it properly. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, long arms, you're giving up some strength there. The longer the lever, uh, sometimes the more difficult it is whenever it's out long to have like really good strength. So it's something that you've, you've got to be really good technically with and continue to develop in the weight room. I, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, man, Sam Presti would love this guy. <laughs> right. But I, I liked uh, some of PJ's comments after he committed, talked about how much he loved the plan that BV and Chavis presented him with how exactly they wanted to use him. And, and I know that, you know, Venables and Chavis, they're, they're not the only people doing that. You're showing a kid exactly how you do it. But I thought it was impressive because, they really don't have a ton of OU stuff. To, they have no OU stuff to show them, you know, from the last 10 years, right, about how they would use them on a Saturday. So I don't know if they were right. using, you know, tape from spring ball or what, showing them what he was, did with guys at Clemson. But that clearly made a big impression on him. And that's, that's the attention to detail that Brent Venables brings. It's not, oh, hey, yeah, we'll – you know, we'll figure out a way to use you. It's like, no, sit down, watch this. Here's this cut up of ex the exact ways we are going to use you. And I, I think that that's just the attention to detail you have to have now in college football recruiting. So when I read that, I, I was like, yep, that, that sounds like the Venables I know. No, nope, yep. I think it's, again, continues to be uh, really, really positive in recruiting on the defensive end. A lot of really good players, inside backers, um, the defensive linemen. And, I, you know, it sounds like there's going to be some good defensive linemen in this class that may not be highly rated, but a lot of people think that the the potential of some of these guys is really good. Now, next year's class on defensive line is going to be something special. Yeah, I am – I think a lot of people are really excited about uh, what's going on right now with OU. And, you know, the, like you said earlier, man, he said, hey, be patient. Be patient. It's going to come. And it seems like there's a lot more coming in July from the conversations I've had. So highly rated, physically gifted players at the line of scrimmage. Those are the guys you want commitments from. I'm all for all it. Right. That's right. Good stuff. All right. For Call Your Shot, we asked you guys, what was the most important thing that happened over the last couple of days for OU football? This first one comes from Frank Potts, who said, the biggest thing is the O-line and D-line commitments. We can win in the Big 12 with an average to above average O-line and D-lines, but in the SEC, we will not be so fortunate. And Frank's got a good point, right? He makes a good point. This is... It, it, of course, you know, we're all starting to get really focused on this season, but it's only natural for us to look at 
you know, a guy like Caden Green or PJ Adibare and say, hey, if those guys reach their ceilings, well, we need them to reach their ceilings. If OU wants to go into the SEC and, you know, really compete and maybe win an SEC championship early when we get to the conference. Like, that's, that's just the truth. And, yeah, so that's why guys with these physical traits, that's why it's so exciting, for me at least. Nope, I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a more physical conference week in, week out on the line of scrimmage. And that's just a, that's just a fact. The NFL draft says that the recruiting says that the film says that Um, it doesn't mean that in a one-off game, like Oklahoma can't, you know, with the current makeup of the team win that, but in a long season, you better have those bodies. You're going because you're going to be tested week in, week out on the line of scrimmage. And not only do I think will we be able to compete, I think we're going to end up thriving in the SEC. Yeah. This other one comes from Nathan Sutmiller, who says Jackson Arnold winning MVP of the Elite 11 and becoming more active on social media recruiting and hyping guys. That is something I've noticed. There's a lot in, in it. Jackson Arnold and uh, Joshua Bates kid in the 2023 class seem to be, and Ken Green, now that he's committed, seem to really be the ringleaders. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys now that have committed to OU in, 20, in this 2023 class that are now openly recruiting other big-time prospects. And that's what you want, man. And... Jackson Arnold being the guy that, that kind of leads all of it. That's exactly what you want from your five-star quarterback that's committed. So, yeah. And I also saw whenever you win that elite 11 MVP, right? Yeah, you'd be it's, a little, it's a little bit different before that. Cause you know, he just got his five-star recently. Uh, then he goes out, wins that elite 11 that, that kind of changes things. Yeah. And I am, I am quickly realizing that Jaquay's petaway is going to be one of my favorite players here in a couple of years. He is, he is very much online, and I like that. I like that he is. He's not afraid to mix it up on the old uh, on the old Twitter uh, Twitter app. So I, but yeah, that's a great point. These guys that that are committed, there's a lot of spots left, right? They need to be filled, and they are. I'm not. They're not putting pressure, but they are. They're making it very clear. They have targeted people that I assume they also know the staff want have targeted as well. And they're, they're going after them on social media and trying to influence them. We got a bunch of influencers in this, in this recruiting class. That's good. I guess. Um, you love that. You love people on Twitter and Instagram. It's your favorite thing. Hey, all I, uh, it, it usually happens where you've got recruits that are out there all over the place on social media and it's fine, and I think it works. I think uh, these recruiting classes, these guys, you know, they talk themselves into, you know, we're going to be the the change, and maybe they they are, but usually fades pretty quickly once they show up on campus. Yeah, because it gets it gets <laughs> real, man. Nearly as easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy first birthday to Eliza Tree. Happy 16th birthday to Karsten Berend. 
Happy 21st birthday to Matt Middleton. Happy 28th birthday to Michaela Gibson. Happy upcoming 60th birthday to Jeff Grace. That's a big one. 6-0. That is a big one, Jeff. Uh, and special shout out to GLW ninth anniversary. Hope all your brothers borders borders. Hope all your borders enjoy another lake weekend filled with clubbies, golf, and power hours. Yeah, is that the <laughs> quote they gave you? The borders? They that's exactly how they wanted it. Okay, and we gave it to them. There you go, GLW ninth anniversary. Hope you boys are awesome. having a time. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. Perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out to find a place near you that has Clubbies. Visit ClubbySeltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, You'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And we've got a returning sponsor. Ted, do you want to do it or you want me to do it? Either or. I, you, you do it. You do it. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? Use the Ranallo Cloud Group. Stacia Ranallo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave Gabe. Sold a house for him. They found a house for Gabe's brother. And uh, they found a house for Lane Johnson. So they keep it in the family. Uh, can't re recommend them enough. You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918 671 6450 or you can contact them on instagram at at sold by stacia and at sold by maddie underscore you've killed it man look at you <sighs> and good. you adjusted it because the read was it was written for me to read it and you made all the adjustments on the fly look at your big brain uh, i don't know what happened i passed out <laughs> <laughs> i'll change that <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it for you. oh Sometimes I make it hard on you, man. But no, all right, good. let's finish up. Here we go. Here we go. Focused. Here we go. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Thought about going with Oregon. Now, I know that it's starting to look like Oregon and Washington may be on the outside looking in, but reportedly Phil Knight is uh, working the phones like an old sales rep, uh, cold calling some schools and 
conferences trying to get Oregon in. Um, it's it can't be a bad thing when a guy worth forty billion is making the call for you, and almost every single team in the country has his logo on their uniform. That has to carry some weight. So <laughs> some, yeah, a lot of weight. So I thought about going with them. I also thought about going with Shohei Otani, who two years in a row uh, makes it as a hitter and a pitcher in the All-Star game. I still think it's a injustice about how many people don't know about what type of baseball player he is. I saw an overlay over the weekend of his three best pitches. Fastball, slider, and splitter in one at bat, all from the same arm slot. 101 mile an hour fastball, 81 mile an hour slider that looked like it moved two feet, and a 92 mile an hour splitter that I, it, it goes from middle of the zone to hitting the dirt in front of the plate. It drops so much. The guy is unbelievable. So he, tune in. Yeah, he's incredible, and it it makes me sad. That sad's probably not the right word, but it's it's the same thing with Eric Judge almost also. These guys are incredible, but especially Otani. Like Otani is, he may be the the most unique baseball player ever. He probably yeah. is. And people just don't really care about baseball anymore, man. It's so weird. It, it, it's not it's that al- weird. It's, he is almost like if there was like a a a top half of the NFL quarterback. That was also the best punt returner in the game. Yeah, it's you know what it's, I'm saying. It's it's, it's crazy. absurd. <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh, but I ended up because this came out several days ago. But Trent Williams, first offensive lineman to get the 99 rating on the Madden uh, video game, which is kind of a weird thing, but. It's like, it's a really cool, and they had this presentation for him with some stuff, so I thought that that was really cool, and you've talked about this. A lot of tackles get better with age, and it's it's exactly what's happening with Trent Williams. I You know, I wouldn't have thought uh, there was a point in his career that I thought that maybe he was kind of at a turning point, and it's like, he's playing his best football ever right now, and it's not even close. That that grown man strength is real, man. Woo. And even even if the athleticism dips a little bit, which with Trent, it doesn't look like it's dipped much at all. Like you really you your bones get thicker. You learn a lot of things technique wise. You just get you have kids and you get strong, man. I don't know. Uh, like it's what's weird is you know, there's a lot of tackles that get better with age. And it's, it's like, it's the technique and some of that stuff and experience, but rarely do you see guys that maintain the level of aggression that he has. He, he may be the most violent tackle to ever play the game that I've witnessed. Like what he does to some people is absurd. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And the thing about him also check. He's just a physical freak, man. Mm-hmm. His his functional strength, his explosiveness, 
there's just not a lot of guys on the planet that can do what he can do. I mean, he's just, he's a special, he's a special specimen. <laughs> like you just, he, he is. And I got to see that firsthand, but he's only gotten better with age. And I kind of view if, if offensive linemen can stay healthy, right? If you can avoid the major injuries, offensive linemen are kind of like NBA players for me when it comes to their prime. That like 28 to 30, 31, 32 yep. window, that's when I think, you know, if you're able to stay healthy and avoid like catastrophic injuries, that's, that's the sweet spot for offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, I never got, <laughs> never, never made it that far. I was like, I'm out, I'm done with this. But that is when you see some of those guys becoming really, really dominant because the experience and in the strength and just the, you know, maybe you start getting a little more of a gut, but it's a power gut. Like it's just <laughs> guys for whatever reason, that's kind of, I kind of view that NBA prime and that offensive line prime as a similar window. Yeah. It's interesting, but that dude is on top of his game right now. It's wild. Yeah. That was pretty cool to watch that video too. Yep. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? It was a very positive uh, week and weekend, so it was difficult to come up with a loser. I ended up having to settle on this. I had to go with Brittany Griner. Now, she had her, I guess, first court appearance, pled guilty. Now, it sounds like this is like a uh, – there's a reason for this going on. Like Maybe there's going to be some type of prisoner swap coming up, but still – to be in Russia and stand in front of a judge and plead guilty knowing that that could come with 10 years of prison in a Russian prison, that is not something that you want to be faced with. I, because I get it. Like This is probably going to be something that hopefully works out. But my goodness, right, that's some hard advice to take, isn't it? It is uh, from everything I read, it was, it was pretty much the only choice just with how the Russian legal system works. So yeah, I, I can't imagine that felt very good though. Like, yep. Guilty. Oh. But she did. She said she, she pleaded guilty, but then she said she did not mean to put it in her bag. She did not mean to violate Russian law. So there was that, like she pleaded guilty, but then was able to express that. But yeah, it, it does seem like, you know, you're starting to hear about uh, the president talking with Griner's wife and like the, the note that Griner wrote and all this stuff. And it's getting more and more traction. I don't know if you saw this, but the WNBA all-star game was this weekend. They all came out in Griner jerseys and like, there's more and more and more attention being brought to it in it. It only makes me more scared for her, man. Like that is, that is an awful situation she's in. Like, you do not want to be a pawn in a political chess game that's going on, especially the climate we're in right now. So, uh, that letter to- she she basically said like, part of me it's like I'm I'm scared that I'm going to be here for forever. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah, and who knows? the The scary thing is, who knows for how long forever is, right? I mean, Russian prison is not a safe place. 
I, is it weird that I want a tour of the prison she's in? No, I don't. I'm not going there. <laughs> Let me make that. I'd love a virtual tour. There we go. Because I want to. I want to see what her digs are like. Like, is she in a? Like, because I'm kind of you. You know the 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 prison and the Dark Knight. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah, but I know it's not that. But it's kind of what I have in my head, and I wonder if it's just like a. It's really worse. nice prison, you know. It's worse than the prison in the Dark Knight because she has zero chance to climb to freedom. <laughs> no chance. No old doctor setting her bones and her back straight. And there's an awful, it was strange how much free time they had. They were able to just kind of roam around in the prison. So I don't think, I think it's worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Come on. Bring Brittany Griner home, people. Let's figure this out. I want to watch her play some basketball. Going to be a, hey, going to be a fun finish back half of the WNBA season. Could, could be some interesting storylines. Rumors of some big trades. Also, really? so huh. we shall see. All right, let's get to buy winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round, even when it is 1 million degrees. <laughs> God, this weather's been ridiculous. But remember, in 2012, Balcony Single Malt won the best-in-class competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. Remember, this stuff is the real deal, people. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right. There is a lot that happened this weekend. I got a lot of honorable mentions. Okay. For winner of the week. And thought about going with Zach Wilson. Ted, are you familiar with the situation? Did you see this? Somewhat familiar. Okay. Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend, Abby Gile, Gile, we'll just call her Abby is now dating his best friend and roommate from college, Dax Mill, who plays for the Commanders. Maybe his ex-best friend now. Uh, I guess they don't follow each other on social media anymore. Who knows? But someone commented on an Instagram post and directed their comment at Abby and said, homie hopper, which 
for anyone out there that doesn't understand, kind of is like kind of a shot at her from going to Wilson to Mill. To which Abby responded, quote, he was sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. Mm. So if you, you know, you do, you put it all together. Zach Wilson and his girlfriend broke up because he was sleeping with his mom's best friend is what I've deduced from the situation and whether it's right or wrong. This has made his street cred go up immensely in the New York Jets locker room throughout the National Football League, and people were praising him on social media. I was not, but if I remember right, wasn't there a big like his mom on uh, draft night got a lot of attention, correct? His his mom is very good looking lady. As is Zach Wilson, and hey, as is Dax Milne. You go look at that guy. Good looking guy. There's no doubt. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that Zach Wilson's mom's best friend is a very good looking woman. I, I just, I'm going out on a limb and assuming that. But yes, for this to, this all came together on Sunday, and oh boy, it blew up, man. Yeah, Zach Wilson's living in a different world uh, than he was previously, right? With his, uh, his situation being known to the entire planet. Correct. Also, bit of a different situation being at BYU to being the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Right. Some probably, but which makes it even funnier that it's his mom's best friend. Like, out of all the chicks you're going to cheat on your girl with, it's your mom's best friend. Like you're the quarter, you're, you're a starting NFL quarterback. You're a really good looking dude. And that's, that's what breaks up the relationship. It's. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I wish Zach and his mom's best friend, all the happiness together. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they got a long relationship (laughs) in their future. Yeah. Okay. But I also thought, about going with Dan Lanning. You mentioned Phil Knight calling. Well, while that was going on, Oregon got a commitment from a five-star quarterback, Dante Moore, Dante Moore, who's from the Detroit area. And I had multiple people that were at the Elite 11 say the only guy that looked as good as Jackson Arnold was Dante Moore. So that is, that's a big deal for Oregon to snag him. So once again, USC may have an Oregon problem. I guess I, I don't know if it goes away if they leave for the Big Ten. I guess it does, but they just went into Big Ten country and took the top-rated quarterback out of that area of the country. So, nice. pretty impressive. Yeah, they've landing and company out of Oregon. Have, they've had a ton of momentum, and things have been going great. Now, this latest conference realignment deal has kind of left them in limbo, and I don't know how that's going to affect their recruiting in the short term or, or even long term, that's got to be something that they're up against. And my guess is that's why Phil Knight's working the phones to try and figure something out quickly, but um, they're doing some good stuff out there. And, you know, until USC makes that jump, they've got a big Oregon problem. Yeah. But my winner of the weekend, Novak Djokovic, bet you didn't think we were going to talk some tennis, huh? Uh, yeah, we we sometimes we make it around. 
I would. I thought it would be more likely we were going to be talking about tennis than Zach Wilson's mom's best friend. <laughs> well, we're talking about both. <laughs> so Djokovic beats Nick Kyrgios in the Wimbledon final to win his seventh Wimbledon title. It's four in a row for Djokovic. He's now won 21 Grand Slams, only behind Nadal's 22. And I pretty much watched this whole thing. It was, it was riveting. And the way that Djokovic stays calm when things aren't going well is like the most impressive thing because Kyrgios. But they were saying Kyrgios, but then I, I've heard him say it's Kyrgios, so I, I don't know. I'm confused. He's Australian. But he, he came out on fire, man. Had that hat backwards, had the cutoff sleeves, and was just ripping serves. And I was like, God dang. This guy was unseated. What's going on? And I, I read, I'm not a big tennis guy, but I'd read some things about him being ultra talented and, you know, a bit of a head case. And I watched like that first six, eight, isn't he? He's a, he's a big athletic dude. And I watched that first set and I was like, this guy's incredible. I mean, the serve was popping. He had just some really, really creative and complicated shots where I was like, who? What is going on? And he looked amazing. I mean, it looked incredible in the first set. And then Djokovic just kind of stayed the course, stayed calm, and Kyrgios fell apart and and lost some really, really pivotal games and points, uh, especially there in that third set. But by the way, I took notes on (laughs) – I was taking notes on tennis. I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I'm going to talk about this on the pod. (laughs) But – I, I'd always heard that the Kyrgios guy was a head case, but the moment clearly got to him. And he actually talked about it in his post-match presser. And it was pretty interesting to hear him talk about it, but please tell me you saw the exchange between him and the umpire. I didn't. I, Oh my gosh. I, I saw like the, with a headline or whatever, but I didn't <laughs> know we were going to be getting into it or I would have watched it. So he, he basically like the the wheels are and the wheels weren't like completely off at that point, but I guess some lady was talking to him like in between games, and he was telling the chair part like, "Hey, she's talking to like what what is acceptable here? Like why is she getting to talk like?" And basically, the chair umpire is like, "Hey, I don't know who it is," and he's like. I know exactly who it is. It's the lady in the dress that looks like she's had like 700 drinks, <laughs> which he's also saying in an Australian accent. So it's incredibly it's funny some style to it. Oh, it's got some style. And you could just see like, he's just so mad about it. And it reminded me of the happy Gilmore stuff. Like I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> like it, it was, it was funny to see Djokovic just, completely stone-faced and not, and not riding the ebbs and flows. Now, he gets fired up. Don't get me wrong. But Kyrgios was over there complaining about the, I guess, a drunk lady that was heckling him. And maybe it was Zach Wilson's mom's best friend. Who knows? Well, <laughs> I, maybe, uh, maybe Djokovic uh, was paying him like Shooter McGavin was paying the guy in Happy Gilmore or, or paying the lady. You think he gave her a couple hundred bucks and I, they were going to go to the Sizzler afterwards? <laughs> We're going to hang out, right, Shooter? <laughs> but I I just thought Australians were all about, like, the drinking lifestyle. I've never been to Australia. I just 
I kind of have this in my in my imagination that Australians are just like constantly drinking fosters like it's water and just talking shit to each other. So I was like, man, he's really affected by this heckler. I, I think Australians hate fosters too. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Like I've never been, so I don't know. I've never been either, but I feel like I remember people saying that, like, no, Australians do not drink Australian fosters. for beer. <laughs> but I, I will say this as I watched and Djokovic had a really good, you know, interview on the court after that. But I kind of wish I appreciated tennis more. I've played a little tennis. It's really hard. It's exhausting. Super hard. And the three best tennis players ever have been going at it like my entire lifetime. When you think about Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, I, I feel like I haven't appreciated it nearly enough. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. There, I was into it there for a while. Used to watch a lot of it. And yeah, they're, they're crazy. And Nadal, which he beat, uh, he beat Kyrgios, right? And then had to withdraw. And that's how he got to advance. No, the, Nadal beat the guy he was supposed to uh, play Kyrgios. Okay. Nadal ended up having to withdraw and Kyrgios just automatically went to the final. Gotcha. I see. Well, um, that's good. Did you see uh, – did I see this correctly? Djokovic is not going to be able to play in the U.S. Open because I, he I doesn't still don't have a vaccine shot? Yeah, and he said he's not going to get vaccinated. And is that still a thing in New York? I don't know. Can't you just test him every day? I, I don't understand. Like, he's the best tennis player in the world. Why – why wouldn't – he be able to play like am i missing something i don't know and maybe i saw something incorrectly but that's what i thought i saw hey Kyrie and, irving could play eventually why yeah, I why can't we djokovic were, play i don't, I don't understand know. thought we were way past that yeah, way so past it yeah so i i don't know but I, you would assume that the u.s open would like the best tennis player in the world to be there and oh. remember it, and remember, Medvedev, I think he's uh, – look at me pretending like I know a lot about tennis. <laughs> I, I think that's his name, Medvedev. I'm pretty sure he's the world number one right now. He didn't get to play because he's Russian. Yeah. Which, that's a I – mean, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel right either. I don't know. No, it doesn't feel right. Um, I, I don't like, know. Like, hey, man, you were born in Russia. Sorry. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if he's play. come out and fully endorsed what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, but yeah, I don't know. It's it seems strange, like especially the, um, you know, I I could the Russian athletes thing. I could see it as just a a big way to put pressure on Russian leadership, right? Like continue to isolate them from all types types of different things throughout the world. Uh, maybe it puts pressure on leadership. Maybe it uh, solidifies the resolve of all of Russia, right? And everyone right. coming together. Who knows? But the the vaccine thing seems really weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Greg Norman. <laughs> Tough weekend for old Greg. Guys won two opens, open championships, right? Just as straight up been told, he's not welcome at the 150th open at St. Andrews. Uh, I mean, that 
I mean, so no champions dinner. They do that four hole exhibition where the former champs play doesn't get to do that, man. I, I'm sure he knew there would be consequences for being the live golf guy, but that's got to hurt, man. That's got to really hurt. It's brutal, but, uh, probably goes over a lot better uh, flying around in that seven, seven, seven private jet that the, uh, what does the winner and some select players ride around on that to the events? I, it a looked like all of them wings is basically what it was. That was crazy. It, uh, I, I would pay good money to see like the top PGA tour guys react to that video <laughs> would pay good money to see like Justin Thomas watch that video. Well, you're not going to have to watch them react to it before long. They're going to be standing in it. I think. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I also thought about, I also thought about going to going with the world cup Ted, mm. I don't know if you saw this, but I I've expressed my frustration on here about, the World Cup happening during football season and the fact that we're not not watching World Cup soccer right now like we should be because it's in Qatar. But then this came out during the week. Qatar's World Cup stadium stands are set to be alcohol-free with beer sales outside areas only allowed before and after some matches. This is according to, how do you even say this word? Rooters? Yeah, I think the so. news publication. I think that's like it. I probably sound like an idiot right now, but what's new? But yeah, a uh, there's there's not going to be any beer in the stadium, dude. These people are traveling from all over the world to watch their team play soccer, and they don't even get to drink beer while they're doing it. If the weather was going to be a hundred degrees, and the stadium was. 30 feet in front of my front door and I couldn't drink beer while I was in the stands. I wouldn't go to a game then much less fly halfway around the world to attend where I'm being told all of these things that I can't do not happening, but I, I'm the wrong demographic. Yeah, <laughs> Clearly <laughs> it's just my it's, frustration it's with the world mess, total it's, mess. And this is what they get for you know all of the uh scumbaggery that went down with awarding them the bid yeah i just my frustration continues to pile up with uh with the 2022 world cup okay but my loser of the weekend max verstappen did you watch i did not watch i was angry as soon as i thought about it i scrambled to the tv to try and catch the end of it and it was too late it's okay i'll here i'll fill you in so Verstappen lost. Well, he came in, he came in second. But the the Austri- Austrian Grand Prix is Red Bull's home race, right? The Red Bull ring. So, I mean, come on. You got to win your home race. Yeah. You, you, you got to let all those people pop those orange flares for you, man. But they even, they've got this weird, big, like, bull statue piece of art thing and could not get by Charles Leclerc, even though Leclerc was battling some clutch issue, like the entire end of the race was just listening to Leclerc talk to talk on his radio, like something's not right, something's wrong, but he was able to keep it together. And maybe I should give Leclerc 
some credit. I'm not going to give Ferrari any credit because Carlos Sainz's engine blew up again and his car caught on fire. But for him to be able to hold off for Stappen when he had that going on and it like taken away from his mental focus of just driving the damn car, that was pretty impressive. But I was a little surprised with Leclerc dealing with that. Verstappen couldn't make a move and get the win, man. I, I just thought he's supposed to be he's supposed to be that dude and just didn't get it done. Now I will say it seemed like Ferrari had a had a better car, so there there is that. But yeah, Verstappen second in the home race got a sting. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Um, I will tell you this. I had a bit of my own Formula One experience this weekend. Okay. Went to, I believe the racetrack is Jennings Racetrack uh, in between Stillwater and Tulsa. I drove a Ferrari 488 GTB, a Porsche GT4, and a Lamborghini Huracan. Okay. The V10. And shockingly, Gabe, I'm a Ferrari guy. I rate the Ferrari dead last of the three. Ooh. And it hurt. It it hurt me to do that. It's tough. So what was number one? The Lamborghini. Shockingly. It had the V10. Now, there could be some bias. I drove the three cars. It was the last car that I drove. So I was more used to the track, more used to the experience. Uh, and I was able to like, I was finally out in front to where I didn't have a bunch of lap traffic hold me up. So it was, uh, it was way better than the Lamborghini. And they said like the Ferrari, some of the settings on it for like traction control were maybe why it was, was lagging a little bit, but it no, was they, still, it was awesome. They, that sounds awesome. I would love to go do that. Thanks for the shout invite. out to Corona uh, for putting oh. that together. Was really really cool, uh, fun little promotional thing that they were doing. It was awesome. Well, the Ferrari settings were probably a little dialed back so that the engine didn't blow up like Carlos Sainz. Yeah, did you'll find the picture. You'll see the picture on Twitter. Like power unit failure again for signs oh. after winning last weekend. And he's just like sitting there with his helmet on. And he looks so sad. It's it, the picture was making it it's rounds on Twitter. But also I, I heard Lewis Hamilton say something in like the post-race press conference that just blew my mind. So he finished third because signs engine blew up. You know, Hamilton was able to make, make some moves. I believe he started like P eight and ended up finishing uh, in third and he he said he was so far behind. He was like 30 seconds or so behind Leclerc and Verstappen. So he knew he didn't really have a chance to win the race. So he said on the straights, he would look up and like watch the TV and see them like going at it as he's driving like 180 miles an hour, just looking at the TV. Well, I, it's I couldn't believe that, man. Uh, I heard this from a famous racer one time that whenever you're going 200 miles an hour, you don't do this. You do this uh-huh. famous racer, Christian Bale uh, from Ford versus Ferrari, which <laughs> the by the way, that movie's awesome. I love that movie. Love it. Super underrated. If you haven't watched Ford versus Ferrari, do it. 
Like now. I was, I was, I heard it was good. And when I watched it, I was shocked at how I've, I've seen it like five times. Cause it was so good. I, I think it's like one of the more underrated movies I can remember. I really cool. Loved it. On a side note, I watched the first episode of season four of Stranger Things by myself at home on Friday night. My wife was out at a dinner. Yeah. I watched it in the dark. Bad idea. Oh, I was scared really? as shit, bro. <laughs> it was. Oh, that's awesome. And anyone that has watched season four, that first episode with uh, the the thing that happens to Chrissy, you know what I'm talking about? I I was like, oh my, what the? All by myself in the dark at her house i so i made the docs come watch it with i'm glad you made it through hey you got to check out the terminal list on amazon okay it is awesome very good okay one last thing about the austrian grand prix don't let haas get hot now Mm. double points for haas mick schumacher driver of the day p6 kevin magnuson p8 double points just a reminder, Ted, the only American-owned team, Haas. Love we, it. Just throw a wrench in the system. Come on. We 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 may if if they start making this a regular occurrence, I know you're gonna adopt them as your team, but we I will. May... And my goal in this thing is to force the rest of the world to stop calling the engine the power unit and just start <laughs> calling it the engine. Right? That's <laughs> yeah. the whole goal in this thing. There you go. <laughs> on that note episode 230 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop wednesday ish we'll figure yeah. that out yeah wednesday ish just a reminder you can hear teddy from three to six on 94 7 the ref you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week until next time we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do Oklahoma. take care of each other night,